0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumors, roundup, gossip, tech and, well, basically... Anything else that catches our eye, this is the Essential Apple Podcast. And joining us this week, I have, well, we have a new guest. But before we get on to that one, uh, I just want to say hello. We're back. Uh, We had a small break because World kind of overtook me and I've been training for an event that we'll go on to in a bit. But joining me this week is Simon, the, uh, well, the social media slash well, wow, does everything, all the hard work at the moment. How are you doing, Simon? It's, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've last done this.
2: Yeah, um, no, it's been, uh, it has been a couple of weeks. And uh, as it happened, because we had one in the can that hadn't been uh, released, I put that out so that uh, as far as listeners have gone, they have only had to go a week without a, a podcast for them. Um, and now, of course, it's a Sunday and we're recording again. So uh, let's all look forward to another nice podcast.
1: Now, I haven't listened back to that one, and I did it slightly differently. I used, uh, when Guy was on, he said about using Levelator, which is a really, really old program to get all the audio uh, leveled off nicely. Um, so, we might use that again this week. And we have a special guest this week, also from the mymac.com network of the Let's Talk Apple podcast, is Nick. Is it Nick Riley? Did I write that? Did I write that? Downright! Oh god, that's a great intro. It? Yes, it's Nick Riley from the Let's Talk Apple. I did warn you this yes, was a it
3: downright. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How are you, Nick? How is the bank holiday
3: weekend treating you over there? It's okay. Yeah, I haven't been up to an awful lot, but I know I'm podcasting, which is always fun. Yeah, well, that's what bank
1: holidays are for, isn't it? Doing not a lot, although there is a pub that's got a beer festival that might be calling my name later. Ah. So obviously you're part of Let's Talk Apple podcast. Tell us a little bit about what sort of Mac hardware you got and what really got you into coming over to the light side and not you know, not using Windows.
3: Uh well I've got um 21 and a half inch iMac. And I've got an iPad, a Pro with a big one, and I've got um uh, an iPhone 6. So not, not the very latest thing, but I'm quite happy with that. And I've got other bits and pieces, um, Apple TVs dotted all over the place and Yeah, basically everywhere. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the interesting question that I was going to ask is out of all the kit that you've got, what would you say is your best bit of kit and your worst bit of kit? And I'm not talking about in terms of spec, but In terms of usability, using it generally, is is there a you know, the thing that you like to use versus the thing that you go, oh, great, I've got to do on this. Do you have anything like that at yours?
3: Um, Yeah, the uh, iPad Pro, I think, is probably my favourite. So I know for a lot of people it's too big, the big iPad. But for me, it was something I'd been waiting for for a very long time. Um, I'm a musician, and... uh, I play piano, and I really wanted something I could put music on that was at a size where I didn't need a pair of binoculars to read it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I really love the iPad Pro for that reason alone. Um, but, you know, reading anything on it is just a joy. So I love it.
2: Um,
1: it work at the moment. I've been given a Surface Pro to use, and the screen is amazing. And now I go back to my old laptop, and I come home to... I've got a fairly decent monitor. It's an LG one that I got on my Mac Mini, but it's just not the same. It just doesn't... Oh, So, other than music, what else do you use your iPad Pro for? Or is it just a very specialist tool for play, playing the piano on and doing all the things you do with music?
3: Um, no, I wouldn't have said there was anything else particularly I use it for. I mean, I, it, it's great to have as a companion on my sofa. Uh, and just dot onto it, and I love playing games on it. I'm, I'm into one of those, um, um, uh, the birds, you know, Angry Birds games at the moment, which is driving me bonkers. Are you, have you got the Angry Birds Star Wars as well? That one drove me round the loop as well. Oh, right. Now, now, this is one. This is a different type of one. It's not the one where you shoot them across. It's one where you burst bubbles. It's one of those sort of things. Okay, not it, it is driving long. me mad. <laughs>
1: That's always the sign of a good game. Yeah. It, I mean, as I've said, I've been using a Microsoft Surface. I won't spend too much time on this because I haven't fully articulated how I want to talk about it. But when you've come from an iPad, the iPad for me feels completely, completely instinctive. Like you know when you can use the your finger, you know when you can use the pen. If you just just wait on the iPad Pro, can you use the pen to? Scroll up and down, or did they take that feature out? Because I know they did it one way or the other. They removed it and then added it back in, or was it the other way around?
3: I don't know. I didn't buy the pen.
1: <laughs> Sorry about ah, that. Ah, right. Okie okay, dokie. Okay. Interesting, though, isn't it? Like you think you're pro and you automatically assume someone's got the pen. Um, but
3: yeah, the- no i'm not i'm not in the slightest bit artistic so it would be a complete waste of time me buying the <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're in good company here well, none of us here have any talent and we seem to get a podcast out every week it's with the surface it's so oh i again i really wish i could explain it properly but you you, you can use... I so think if I you know what you mean i've got yeah. a,
3: i've got i've got a an all-in-one uh dell pc sitting right next to my imac um and i bought it when i was trying to find something for for music um uh, and it's a touch screen uh, and it's about i think it's 19 inches so it's got a decent size um but it's but the, you still get that sort of disconnect where yeah you're not quite sure whether it's going to go into windows or whether it's going to be a, an app that will just run natively and, and it just feels a little bit
1: yeah i whenever because i've got the pen at work i always end up tending to do the the baton swirl with the pencil so one minute i'm drawing on the screen and then if i want to interact with the screen in some apps i have to use my finger to scroll around or i can use the pen but then you've got like such a small touch target area of a scroll bar to run up and down from I, i just haven't maybe because it's new and it's a different os and you know you've got the pain points i just really haven't sort of Gelled with it, and I think you nailed it correctly. You never sort of know at what point what experience you're going to get.
3: Yeah, I I, I think I've um, in the G plus fo- uh, forums um, I've said to Guy a little while ago that I think. Because he's always talking about this sort of all-in-one thing that you plug your iPhone into, and to, uh, which will be sort of everything for everybody. Uh, and the only way I could see that working is if Apple f- found another touch interface that would work for the OS d- OS ten desktop, so that it wasn't OS ten anymore. If you sort of I mean, but not quite yeah. iOS however. It needs to be something in between, but, but would work with touch. I think that'd be cool.
1: That, and that seems to be what the surface is trying to do. It's trying to be this middle ground where you've got a desktop and you
3: can use it as a tablet. But oh, yeah, I, I, I think it needs to be. I think that 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 interface needs to be completely rethought. You you need to be able to have a natural touch interface, regardless of what you're trying to do.
1: And I think that's that is exactly right. It doesn't feel natural. You're always sort of. Hunting and pecking to say, can I use the pencil here? Can I not use it here? I think the best example I've got is if you use OneNote and you want to move something around, you end up again doing the button tool. You write on the screen, and then sometimes a pencil will be a pencil, or sometimes it will be a selector like a mouse pointer to move stuff. So you end up sort of drawing on the screen and then using your fingers to move things around. But it, the actual program itself is very janky. I think is the best Mm. word to to do it.
3: Sounds confusing.
1: It is, and that's the whole thing. It's like the native Windows apps, when you can find a decent non-shovelware Windows app, they're all right, but it's... The actual Windows App Store itself reminds me a lot of the App Store for the Apple TV. It's very shovely. where, okay, there's one or two decent apps, but it's all... Starting to look a little bit like a ghost time.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree.
1: Well, i'm just out of interest, what Apple TVs have you got? Have you got the have you got all of them, or did you just go for the uh the the latest one?
3: Uh, I've got yeah, I've got the latest one. I've got a couple of threes. Um I bought one for another reason and then ended up not using it for that other reason. (laughs) So I've got two, uh neither of which I'm using. And um, I've actually got two really old ones. You know, the ones that used to have the forty gig hard drives in.
1: Them. Oh wow, they're collector's item. Did they tell you what they still go for a fair penny on eBay? You can't right, pick one. Yeah, look around. You can't pick <laughs> one of them up cheap. I mean, in relative terms, like you know, obviously, you know, you're not going to get what you paid for it. You know, way back no. when. But you look at it, and because I was thinking, oh my, yeah, like a little tinkering project, maybe a uh, always on Plex box, and yeah, they still go for some serious cash.
3: That's interesting.
1: Oh right, they've got that all. Oh, I'm in fact, I'm going to play this. Um, so in my absence over the last two weeks, I have been a little bit busy, and I, maybe I should have put this at the top of the show. But I got mentioned on the radio, and if it yeah. works, let's see if this works. Hold on, dope. That's typical edit point. Play.
3: A lot of love for that track. And uh, in answer to your text,
0: Mark Chapel. oh, great, but will you play it in full? No. Uh, don't look at me. That, I press the button and it appears. A lot of love, though.
3: Tom? Da-
1: he actually r- misread my tweet, but I got mentioned on the radio. I don't know why I put it in this part of the segment of the show. I should have gone in with the <laughs> intro on this. Oh, it shows what happens when you have two weeks off. Dreamless. Oh, yeah. In... <laughs> And I know you're both with bated breath wondering what is happening with my ongoing saga of my AirPods. (laughs) It's funny because Carl said, whatever you do, don't keep banging on about the AirPods. And other people have said, you know, when you've got a running gag, don't use it more than three times. Well, yeah, okay. (laughs) Like I've listened to that one. But good news. I have working AirPods. Hooray! But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is always a bat. so the girl on the phone was absolutely fantastic for once she was like genuine sincere she called me back did everything by the books absolutely fantastic service when i got there she sent me out a new set of airpods and told me i could keep my old ones as a bonus because you know you've had so much trouble i can see all your case locks here keep them new airpods come and guess what they will not pair with my iPhone 6S whatsoever. It's still the flashy red light. I spent uh, some time with Carl on the Mac and Mackinforth show going through all the troubleshooting procedures. I've read more than my unhealthy share of web pages trying to get yeah, with all the spammy articles about how to fix them. Nothing. So, because I couldn't even get one paired, I thought, right, I'll go and get my other ones, I'll flip them open, and at least I've got one that I can use, so I'm not completely in the wilderness. Opened it up, it starts flashing white. So, as quick as I possibly could, you hold the button on the back, and it sinks. So, right now, my original old AirPods that would not sync up, both left and right, are now working. Completely and utterly bonkers. It's magic. It's definitely not the "it just works" experience, but I'm gonna guess. I think they're more aimed at the iPhone Seven. I would not be surprised if the iPhone Seven had some technical do hickory in it to give it a seamless experience. So I might be sending my new set to Simon to do a bit of a review on because he seems to be the taskmaster of finding cheap headphones that actually work.
2: <laughs> yeah, Nick's gonna buy some as well now.
1: Especially after my glowing, uh, glowing review, Um, but this is the thing. After all the pain, I'm so glad that they work. I had to go back to a corded set of headphones, and it's like, what is this barbarism? What is this thing? (laughs) And I've, I've lived around like a caveman. I've lived a life now where I haven't sworn at my kitchen cabinets for every single time the uh, my cord tangles up on the on the handle, so yeah, that's um has been that. I've done a bit more riding with the Apple Watch. Um, that's going great guns.
2: Um, I just I have to say though, on your ride, on the front point of your riding, Mark. Yes, you were cheated, cheated. <sighs> I say, uh, but is it? Uh,
1: yeah, I because I didn't get the Earth Day badge, and I think no,
2: you cycled two hundred and fifteen kilometres.
1: Ah, uh, no, in
2: three sections, and you didn't get. Yeah, but you must have spent more than half an hour. Well, I did. You did 70, yeah, at least. Well, what? See, this is this, this is one of
1: the interesting things that happens when you have a Garmin and a Strava, is that when you do a ride, it seems to double upload it from Strava. So I actually did uh, forty-seven miles, which is about seventy odd kilometers.
2: Yeah, well, it said seventy-five kilometers. Now, according to what it shared with me via your watch, you appeared to have done three 75-kilometre mi- uh, stints. That's
1: because it's pulling in three sets of data. So it pulls it in from Garmin, and then for whatever reason, you get two lots of data from Strava. So then you have to go in and manually delete the activities. Now, what it should have done is just use the most recent data source, because you know when you go into health, you can scroll and move up and down. It should have just used... The top one, but it doesn't, uh, but no, I still didn't get my blinking badge. You're listening to the a t p podcast a few minutes ago, uh apparently, one of the chaps on there didn't because they clicked dismiss instead of another button um but I don't mind right now. I'm just wondering if I'm going to be able to cycle next week because I've got a bit of an injury that seems to have come up
2: oh, it did, it did give you a four hundred percent badge though didn't it yes, and it's uh if, have
1: you got an app
3: watch there, Nick? Uh, I haven't I've got an Android watch actually. Oh god. Just to be different. Big on. <laughs> Big on. Which one which
2: one have you got nick?
3: Uh I've got the uh LG Urbane.
2: All right, yeah. That's
3: yeah, one, I, it works great for me. I've it's just upgraded itself to the latest um uh Go- Google Gear 3. Uh, 2 rub. Yeah, um, and that's it's great. It works very well. I can get more faces now, which is nice (laughs) because one of the problems with it, it it doesn't really work very well with the iPhone and um, it only allowed you to get sort of half a dozen faces, none of which I liked. So, (laughs) but now I can get loads. So that's good. Is this the Urbane second edition or the first one? No, No, it's the first edition, the one without GPS and stuff. But it's fine. It's a watch. It tells me the time. It gives me notifications.
1: And it works oh, with well. an iPhone 6 as well, which is always good. Yeah. And
2: uh, that, that segues rather nicely onto our piece about Pebble watches then, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does. Take it away, Simon, whilst I look for the notes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, two things really. Uh, Pebble watches uh, are no longer going to have to die when the Pebble servers shut down because uh, a Pebble smartwatch iPhone app update removes the dependency on the company's cloud servers for firmware updates. Uh, and that was from the Mac Observer. Um, and the link to the Pebble app is in the story, um, which means the following uh, is even better news for anybody who's interested. And that is you can currently score major savings on three major, three popular Pebble smartwatch models. Um, you can score big savings on three popular smartwatch models the pebble time the pebble steel and the pebble 2 with heart rate tracking enjoy savings of up to $93 and discounts as good as 62% and uh, i found that on digital trends uh, so all the links in that article uh, were obviously the us store but i did take a look on the uk store uh, and there's some pretty hefty discounts available on there too so if anybody was interested in picking up pebble um and the prices are down to sort of 50 quid, I think. So, you know, perhaps, that's a, if you were interested in picking up a pebble uh, as a sort of end of life, uh, the prices they're asking at the moment are quite reasonable. So there you go.
1: And just to do a gratuitous plug, we will have links in the show notes. Just having a look here, I mean, you've got the Pebble smartwatch black. That was seventy nine ninety nine. That's down to 36 The Pebble Times smartwatch uh, was $149. It's now 49 uh, The thing with looking at these now, there are some really nice ones, but there's a few here that I'm thinking, you know what? If you had a young kid or you wanted to get like a sort of, geeky sort of gift for someone.
2: These words fit quite well into that category, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, when they came out, the Pebbles were, you know, pretty expensive. Um, and yes, you know, they're not, and they're no Apple Watch, are they, or LG Urbane. But that said, the steel, I believe, is quite a nice looking one. Um, and I and you,
3: can, you can still link them you can still link them up can't you to your iphone or whatever and get some oh, yeah. information said but it's just the display isn't particularly stellar on some of them well no they've got um
2: but they have always on e ink don't they
3: yeah and
2: but the 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 upside of that if you like the um you know the flip side of the coin is I believe they have a battery life that's measured in the you know days like a week at a
3: time yeah that's right
2: how
1: is the battery life
2: on your Android
1: watch? Is it uh, is it a two day or is it like a week style
3: battery life? No, it's it's only a, only about a day. It's only about a day. Uh, it, it, I mean, it lasts longer than a day, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't last two days.
1: I will. I would admit on the that's one thing I love about the Apple Watch, and, and this isn't this isn't um, this isn't bashing. By the way, this is just the, the comparison. Because so I know there's going be some people out there that are going to say, "Oh, you're bashing Android." One of the things I love about the Apple Watch two over the Apple Watch one was the the the, the battery life. How long are you getting out of? How long? Well, me. Let's try that again, shall we? How long are you getting out of your battery, Simon?
2: Um, to be honest, I don't. I don't really check. I. I put mine on charge because I use mine, you know, in nightstand mode every night because I have to plug in my uh, phone and I plug in my watch next to it. So, I mean, I charge mine every night, but I think I've probably got about 30% left by the end of the day. And of course, there is the new Overcast app, which
1: we'll probably talk about next week when I've had time to actually fiddle with it. We can actually listen to podcasts. On our Apple watches, how does the Android phone compare to that does it have much in the way of syncing with music at all or podcasts
3: uh no well it may when I originally bought it, I'd also got an Android phone so yeah you, you could do more with it then um, if you play music it brings up the you know the stop start fast forward jump to the next track stuff um, but it doesn't have a speaker in it. So uh, I can talk to it. So it's got a microphone in it. uh, So I can, you know, search Google and stuff using it. But you can't, there's no speaker in it.
2: So you can't do the Dick Tracy call then? No. Yeah. It's a slightly strange design choice, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure nobody's really ever going to say that you're going to get hi-fi out of your watch. But if you can speak into it, it, as Mark says, the Dick Tracy watch idea you know it's always handy and as either pope said didn't he when he was on that you know he's only actually taken a phone call on his watch once but when he did you know it was yeah
1: he was ordering tea for his colleagues on the other side of the building and he'd forgotten his phone it's just (laughs) it's really good to to actually be able to talk to someone on yeah who has an android device to see how they compare because you don't really sort of see many of them out there and you don't really see that many apple watches out there
2: I I think I'm beginning to see more Apple Watches. Um, They've gone from being a bit of a novelty spot to something that I see reasonably frequently.
3: Yeah, I see them more often than I used to.
2: I think the thing with the Android Watches, though, is not so much that they're not out there, but they're not so easy to spot because... You know, and whereas an Apple Watch is an Apple Watch in the same way as an iPhone is an iPhone, you've got, you know, there's a fair selection, isn't there, of um, yeah. Android watches. I mean, you've got the LGs, and you've got um, Samsung Gear, and Motorola, and then probably a whole slew of Chinese no-brand. I mean, I I looked on uh, Amazon the other day, and I just put in there smartwatch, and there's a whole slew of, you know, obviously churned out in China for pennies things which look either look exactly like uh, an an Apple Watch or very much like one of the much more expensive Android watches, and they all run the same software, and you know they range in price from sort of twenty to forty pounds. So,
3: yeah, but just like just like Apple, there's also the other end of the the. Um... Oh yeah, the the price. You know, there there are designer Android watches just the same as there are designer Apple ones. So.
2: Oh yes, there are. There's um, you know, what was the one we were talking about the other day? And I mean, it starts at fourteen hundred quid. You know, yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> starts at. You know, that makes that
3: makes an Apple Watch look uh, decidedly, you know, cheap, doesn't it? But uh, well, the re- the reason I bought an Android watch was a because I'd got an Android so. The reason I had an Android phone, <laughs> working my way back, uh, the reason I got an Android phone was because I wanted a larger phone, and Apple weren't doing them at the time. Yeah. So I had a couple of Android phones before I came back to uh, into the fold, as it were, and got the uh, iPhone six. Um, but um, while I'd got it, I bought the uh, the watch because they work together. Um, and I, you know, Androids not as bad as we make out. But they're all right. The, the thing that I find uh that is I customise Android more because the built-in tools aren't that brilliant. Whereas it's the other way around with Apple. The built-in tools are pretty good with Apple. Uh and you can't really sort of customize them in the same way.
0: No.
1: So, you know. Courses for courses. Absolutely. Unless you go down the route of jailbreaking, which I've me personally I've really not paid any attention to now for the last or couple of years. I will admit that my neighbour had a phone a couple, about two years ago. It was an iPhone 5C, uh, and they found it. Uh, we had no way of returning it. Let's just leave that bit there. And I thought, oh, I wonder if you can actually jailbreak it or get into it. And the answer is no, you can't. If it's locked with a passcode, uh, you find an iPhone, it's basically a brick. Although I did manage to sideload an app onto it somehow, which gave me basic... It gave a weird sort of web interface where I could play podcasts and do a few general things. But yeah, I, I basically went to, when I did one of my many trips to the Apple store, I took it back. Well, this equates on nicely then to uh, an item for discussion here. The iPhone 7 and 7 Plus Home buttons cannot be repaired. Really? Is anyone surprised? <laughs> the This is an article on,
2: from the... Solid State Touch... Uh was it, you know, touch enabled with haptic feedback and all the rest? No, I'm not in the least bit surprised. Uh, I was going to read out more from the story, but
1: as I use an ad blocker, because I don't trust companies not to track me everywhere, I can't. Because when you go to IB Times, you get a massive green circle that says, the best things in life are free. That includes IB Times, we notice you're blocking out. To continue to read for free, we rely on ad revenue. Hang on, but you just said it's free, but it's not free, and it, it is free. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank God for a second, bronzer. I've got. A, I've actually got a small story um, about how my iPhone 6S uh, replaced. The other week was winding along, and suddenly my phone decided to liberate itself from the confines of my cycling case. God knows how. And you know when you drop a phone... There are two sorts of noises, aren't there? There's one where you've dropped it on the phone and you go, oh, blinking flip. And then there's the other time where you drop it and there's that special sort of noise that happens for a fraction of a second when you know the screen has cracked. And that's exactly what happened to mine so going around trying to find uh, a screen repairer there was a key company there's a key cutting company here in the uk called Timpsons, who would have repaired it for 140 pounds which considering apple only charge 126 that's a bit weird Uh, and i ended up going to l dodgy high street shop it's one of those shops where they've Basically, it's an empty shell, but with thousands upon thousands of really dodgy knockoff iPhone cases, you get the sort of image there. And the guy says, oh, yeah, I can repair that for you for £80. All right, okay, a little bit more. And I said, oh, no, he says it's a uh, 90 because it's a 6S. And I'm thinking, has the 6S got a different thing to the 6? Relaxedly. because yeah, it has, because oh,
2: it's got. Right. It's got
1: it's got the 3d touch ah yes of course so reluctantly i paid over the money i go back 45 minutes later he goes oh sorry mate um i've only got white cover so my black iphone is now white it works but oh geez the home button rattles it's not you know when you press the button down on the six and the six uh on S. it's there's no movement other than up and down. Well, this one sort of got a, a, bit, a bit of a wobble, so obviously the tolerances aren't there. But the best bug that I found is when you go and pay by Apple Pay, you can pay, and then it locks the screen, as in you can open the phone up, but you can't swipe, navigate, or do anything. You have to reboot the bloody thing.
0: Uh,
1: so if you're out there and you are thinking of going to a shop to get a uh, repair done, make sure that they've used decent screens. and asked to have a look at them, see what buttons they use. And also, make sure you get a warranty, because for an extra £24, if I'd had the opportunity, I would have gone and done it by Apple. And the weird thing is, they didn't even ask me to touch off, um, find my iPhone. You know that Apple always asks you to do that whenever they replace things. Uh, they didn't even ask to do that. So there we are, some actual advice. And the crowd yeah. goes quiet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Um well because we were talking about watches, um I thought we could bring up this one here that uh I I think it was you who found it, wasn't it, Mark? That uh man is now suspecting his wife's murder after her Fitbit data doesn't uh match the story he told the police. Yes. Yes. Uh, did, I, did I send that one to you? What was this? I think it, anyway, it's uh, officials say that the timeline given by Richard Debate, accused of killing his wife in their Connecticut home, is at odds with the data collected by her wearable device. Um, and that's from The Guardian. And um, I, I read this story. And uh, basically, he, he made a load of claims about how his wife came to uh, end up being shot and uh, dying. But uh, his version of events doesn't match the uh, fitness tracking data on her Fitbit. Uh, Most tellingly, it shows that she walked home and then when she got home, she was at home for a good 15 to 20 minutes pottering around the house, according to the, the Fitbit data, whereas he claims that she came in the door and was shot by a burglar. Uh, so that's looking pretty poor for him, I should say.
3: Uh, it just shows how we're all being watched, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah. Or in this case. <laughs> Our devices
3: are watching us anyway.
2: He should have just made up a better story, shouldn't he? <laughs>
3: he should have done, yes.
2: <laughs> he should have figured out, well, oh, come on now. Well, well, the burglars broke in 20 minutes after she came home and boshed me on the head and shot my wife. No, no, so if you read the story, he's come up with this... Obviously, concocted timeline, and the evidence from the Fitbit just basically completely contradicts it. So, I think he's in a lot of trouble.
1: That's going to be an in- that's going to be an interesting one because is that sort of data going to be submissible as evidence? And then suddenly you enter into a whole murky territory of you know what can that be used? Uh, for example the older Fitbits basically in one of the previous episodes of this show uh, titled we all know Fitbit counts that
2: counts that
1: yes <laughs> you can literally jump up and down on the spot and do star jumps and it will think that you're uh, you are walking the same as if you're in a car and I noticed this when, it, when I was driving my car over a bumpy road it says oh congratulations you've done three miles
2: today no <laughs> so it's <a>, well, so <sighs> Perfect. But I think, uh, from what I read in the article, the link is obviously in the show notes. Go read the article, and it, it seems pretty obvious that the the evidence, it, even if it's not "quote unquote," you know, uh, prima facie, it's going to uh, it's going to stack up badly against him. I think.
3: Oh, that's how Mark managed to do his two hundred and fifteen miles. and he threw it on the back of a lorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I have been... Uh, well, well, next weekend is the Car 10, which is Cardiff 10B. And if I can find a way to sort of do semi-updates on the way... Oh, in fact, actually, just coming back to the iPhone 6 story, they charged me £5 five pound for a screen protector that wasn't the right size and it didn't have a hole for the camera as well. Um no, no. Yeah, so that's the sort of shop you've got to be careful of. It's my own fault rushing around. Um, yeah, so next week is the Car 10. So that's going to be an interesting one. I don't think I'm going to take the Apple Watch. I think I'm going to go with the Garmin, only because of the whole battery life. And I don't. I need to. I need to find out how accurate the GPS testing is because you, you know what it's like when it gets into your head about, oh, it's not as accurate. It's not as accurate, and then you start doubting the technology. Anyway, I've I've taken this completely off track. And before I use a malpropism did I say that one right? <laughs> it's
3: malapropism.
1: Oh yeah. bugger. Yeah, this is a very good time. We're, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in three minutes after Nemo's Hardware Store.
0: With the fine spring and summer weather just around the corner, let's have a look at two outdoor items that just rolled into the loading dock here at Nemo's Hardware Store first is the WOW Sound, W-O-W hyphen S-O-U-N-D, Ultimate Outdoor Portable Speaker. It's a waterproof speaker that floats, can go anywhere, has surround sound, very loud, good battery life, lots of power. It's currently on Indiegogo. The retail price in the U.S. when it's finally released is going to be $229. You can get the early bird shipping on Indiegogo for June 2017 release for $150. And we will have the links with a good description and videos and photos on our essential Apple website. I took it outside. I got it nice and wet. I played it wet. I played it dry. I played it close. I played it far. I charged it up. It played for a long time. It has a light switch. It turns on a nice glowing bright LED at its base for nighttime listening so you won't lose it or kick it when you pick it up. It's fairly substantial. I mean, it's got some weight and heft to it. It's colorful and attractive. It has one, two, three, four speakers positioned one, two, three, four around the sides. So you get the sound coming out everywhere and it has a passive radiator at the top. So, I can recommend this from my personal experience. There is a floater called the Wow Sound Speaker Float that costs an extra $19 that the company is going to send me because when I dropped it into the pool and tried to play it, the Bluetooth audio broke up a little bit. It was a little bit inconsistent because Bluetooth can get messed up by water. So, when the Wow Sound is going to sit in the speaker float, that will project Good sound in the pool. And when I do my final report and review over at mymac.com, I will have tested it with the Wow Sound speaker float. Camping or going on a picnic, anywhere by the beach, anywhere you're going to be around water. This thing is tough, rugged, fairly massive, and attractive. And it goes everywhere. And it's got a handle on the top. I love gadgets that have a handle at nighttime. When you go outside either to go on a hike or if you're part of a SWAT team or if you're walking your dog or if you're stuck somewhere in an emergency, you need the reno g e dot lumen multifunctional flashlight r e n o g y e period l u m e n multifunctional flashlight or torch or torch twenty five dollars in the u s You can charge it up either from the sun, solar power. Or through USB charging. And again, it's pretty hefty in the hand. It's black, strong. It's got a smasher for smashing your way out of a car if you're trapped inside. It's got a slitter for slitting your seatbelt. Again, if you're trapped inside, tumbling off a bridge, you press the button once and you get a strong directional beam that you can see halfway across town. Very powerful flashlight, military grade. Flashlight. Press it again, you get a softer light. Again, is directional that you can use for walking the dog. That's not going to blind people if it accidentally goes in their eyes. Press it a third time, and it's flashing. Boo 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 boo. It's flashing and fluttering to alert the rescue squad that you are there at the banks of the roaring Severn River. So that's the Reno G E dot lumen multifunction flashlight. Twenty five dollars and the wow sound, speaker, and float. Thanks for listening. Nemo's Hardware Store, back next week.
1: And thank you once again, John, for another Nemo's Hardware Store. You'll be able to find all of the links in our Fancy Dan show notes all over on EssentialApple.com. I don't think actually this week we've got an Amazon link we can give you, but I do need to say a huge Huge thank you to everyone who's just going off and doing their regular shopping from Amazon but using our link. Always being upfront and honest about this, well, if you use our link, we get a very, very small amount of commission and it all goes back into the running of this podcast, the show, the hosting, making sure that one day I can upgrade this stupid mixer that's in front of me and maybe getting a same board that works consistently. So a huge, huge thank you. All of the money does go back into the running of this pokey little podcast and that's taking up some space on your device. Funnily enough, I used to use GarageBand to do the podcast. It sort of outgrew it, and I know that guy still uses um, GarageBand. But this week, Apple have made iWork and iLife apps free and easier to download by anyone. Now, Nick, you um, whilst we were doing Nemo's hardware store there, you mentioned that you do a newsletter. So tell us a little yeah. bit about that and how it goes and how you find using it.
3: Well, I, I use uh, Pages. Um in its normal mode, you know, it's got like sort of two modes where it's got like a, a mode where you design, where it's got a design which you can choose and then fill things in. But it's also got a word processor sort of side of it as well. I just use the word processor side of it. and It's great. I mean, it works better than an awful lot of other things, including Word, in my opinion. Um, oh, that's going to be a just, controversial statement, that one. <laughs> <laughs> for just laying stuff out. I mean, okay, it doesn't have some of the features that Word has. But for me, where I'm just getting articles sent to me by email and printed and photos and just laying out stuff in pages is really easy to do. Um, So I think this is great that they have made it free. Uh, What really annoys me about it is that uh, last week um, or a couple of weeks ago, I decided to donate my old um Mac mini uh, to the church for, for the use of you know doing PowerPoint and Keynote and a piece of software I use called Proclaim, which is pretty cool um, and so when I set it up i thought oh i haven't got uh, I haven't got keynote for this oh I'll download it so I went onto to the app store and of course because I was logged in as a new account that I'd set up for the church. I had to pay for it, and then two days later, they made it free. Oh, are they? Are they not doing that thing where? Oh, what was it they did
1: with some apps? That it, oh, what was that thingy? The automation
2: well, actually, app. You probably, probably should, uh, at least try and get your money back because Apple tend to have a thing. If you, if like, if you go out and buy a MacBook, yeah, say. And within fourteen, or I don't know, I forget what it is, but there's usually a thing like if if within twenty one days or something they launch a new version, because Apple never pre announce anything, they they'll give you your money back if you want. So if oh you want okay. Them, They've I mean, it's not yeah, that terribly expensive anyway, but... No, no, I mean, no but it's the principle best.
1: of the thing, isn't it? They did, the, they did the same with, oh, what's that app? Work, workflow, that's the one where Apple bought it and then they made it for free and they were offering refunds to people who'd bought it within a specific time frame. So... 30
2: ...days or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. Oh, well. I know that they certainly do that on hardware. They certainly do it on hardware, and I know they have in the past done it on certain types of software. Like, for example, when um, Aperture originally was about four hundred pounds, wasn't it? Yeah. And then they suddenly slashed the price to like sixty nine pounds or something. And they had the same thing there, it was like if you could produce, um, if you could, pr- I believe, if you could produce a, a receipt showing that you'd purchased it in the prior kind of twenty one days before they slashed the price, they'd give you the difference back.
3: I'll give it a try.
2: I mean, like you say, it's not a vast amount of money. So if they say no, you're not exactly going to cry. But <laughs> So, it's, what, it's,
3: so what, I do, what I do with this magazine is I, I do the whole thing at uh, a normal A4 size. Um, and it, it's usually about, so when I want to say a newsletter. It's, it's, it's a pamphlet. So it's, a, it's anything between about 24 and uh, 40. A5 pages. Um, and what I do is I do it in um, pages and then I, I've i got a piece of software which is really cool called Cheap Imposter.
2: Cheap, uh, cheap Imposer, is it? Or is it actually called Imposter? What it does is impose, isn't
3: it? it imposer. It yes, Cheap Imposer. And um, so, so what it does is it swaps it all around and puts it in a pamphlet size and then, and then I print it out and duplicate it. So it, yeah. it's uh, it's really clever cool tool yeah.
2: it is um, I haven't had to use anything like that for a while, but yeah, a few years back there were several of them and they, they are very very handy pieces if you do that sort of thing but anyway, the yes so uh, Apple have now made all of the i things uh, iWorks and uh, i life free for everybody I mean uh, It's not like they're giving away a huge amount because, you know, they've come free with every new device since, I don't know, what?
1: a good couple of years now, isn't it? I still remember having it on the iPhone uh, 6. But you work in the print industry, don't you, Simon? How do you find using Pages to say
2: Word? Uh, Well, I don't use Pages because I don't like it.
1: What, what about it is it that you don't like? Is, is it just because uh, of the Pro Tools that you have, it's a little bit
2: too... I th- yes, I think, uh, like Nick said, it's got two modes. It's got a desktop publishing mode, and it's got a word processing mode. And uh, personally, I think it, it suffers from uh, schizophrenia. It can't decide what it wants to do. Um, it's, you know, it's not a bad app don't don't get me wrong um and if you can pick it up for nothing then obviously you know it's a, it's a very nice app personally i i would myself probably tend to choose something like publisher plus which is a, or i stu, publish i publish a studio which are uh the same sort of money but a much more blatantly desktop publishing tool well, i
3: think me. if you're i think if you're um if you're doing it for a living, it's a different thing. Yes, exactly. To, like that to me, who's doing it as an amateur and and just needs something that will produce something that looks fine, <laughs> and it doesn't. Well, it doesn't you... need to go to some expensive no. press or anything like that to be printed.
2: And, so. and even if it, even
3: you know, even if you did want to bring it, you know,
2: to to someone like me, Pages will produce perfectly good PDFs which can go anywhere. It's not. My personal dislike of it is is not a reflection on the quality of the software and more I suppose a certain amount of professional snobbery. But um it's not it's, even that.
3: It's isn't not it even... sometimes isn't it sometimes path of least resistance when you're doing these sort of things? You want something that will work the way that you want it to work. And if it doesn't quite fulfil what you want, then why would you choose to use it? Um, yeah, Um
2: I think there's, there's that and to me I just I just find this weird dichotomy that it's a word processor and a desktop layout package a bit confusing and I know quite a lot also of course there's the fact that in the latest version they took out some of the tools that um, some people like me would consider to be a necessity like the ability to link text boxes together so that you can run text over multiple pages
3: yeah and, and, and don't and don't get me publishing. started on icloud and the way that they've messed around with that over the years because <laughs> <laughs> i could i could you know, rant for the next hour
2: <laughs> no, but the, the, the fact that they've made it free in in some ways it's like it's not really they're not really giving away a huge amount but what it does mean is that like schools or churches or charity organizations or whatever you know if they need half a dozen they can just download half a dozen.
3: Yeah, and if you let's face it, if you've got a PC, if you buy a PC, you've got nothing like this. You've got no. nothing even anywhere near these these tools. You beat me to the free. punch on
1: that one. I was just about to say exactly the same thing. I can't even remember if you get WordPad with Windows Ten now. If I should have a look at that on Tuesday. But you're right. It's when you get a Windows. This is one of the things I've always loved about the Mac. Take the price of it away is that when you get a Mac, you can get pretty much everything you need to get up and running to a good, basic, I wouldn't say middle level, because I think it like things for pages is... Ugh. I've tried to go from Word to Pages and for some reason I cannot make pages stick as part of my workflow. Uh, I like what they... Just touching on what you said about the iCloud thing, I like the fact that they've done the we can have two people editing a document at the same time but it's not quite as good as google's and google's is all right but then you're reliant on the web browser and I just want to have a native application for some probably makes no sense but I'd love to have a native version of google on the mac if the of sorry of google writer or whatever it's called um but yeah you, you you've nailed it you get a windows pc and with the amount of stuff in the store was supposed to fix all this It's not easy to get up and running. So kudos to Apple there for
3: giving away. Would we call them good functional? Or I'd call them good for the average person in the street. I I think I would
2: agree with that. You know, for the average person in the street, you've you've got a word processor slash basic desktop publisher. You've got a perfectly good uh, spreadsheet. You've got a presentation package. Then you've got your music. You've got your iMovie, you know, no. I think it's a, you know, even though people rag on iTunes, I mean, it's it's not that terrible. Maybe, you know, the biggest problem with iTunes, as far as I can see, is that it's just expanded beyond what it was originally designed to do, and now nobody's quite sure how they're going to sort it out.
3: <laughs> yes. it's uh, It takes me about many years, so many times to come across that, because I work in IT. I've come across it so many times where people have said, uh, yeah, well, we'd like to get rid of this, but it, it touches so many other things now that we wouldn't like to take it to pieces.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got the same thing in work. We're running Office 2010 and A, upgrading to Office 2016, you might as well buy shares in Vaseline because they stuff it to you horrendously In terms of licensing, but there's so many old apps that we use in work that have a specific style of macro that haven't been uh, updated that we're actually locked into Office 2010 for as long as Apple are really sorry Microsoft are going to start supporting it.
3: Yeah, I think some I think some businesses have it worse. I mean, the company I work for, their finance software is in house. It was written in-house. Oh, and God. Everything touches it. So it doesn't matter what we buy new, and, and and we've been pushing forward a lot of late. We've got a lot of apps for phones and all sorts of things, but they all have to tie back to this bespoke uh, finance software that was written in-house. Mm. It's a nightmare. <laughs> I
1: was about to say that just sounds like a nightmare. Uh, we've got something similar in work. We've got a... A web portally system that's sort of partially developed in house, partially developed out house, but I don't think it uh, I don't think we have that level of problem. Um, I suppose that's one good thing about the Mac is that sometimes it's such an island it can't tie into anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Well, not quite true, but yeah, I know what you mean.
1: One of the things I've wanted to do on the show is that you get people in who can say, right, yes, I use these Apple apps to do things like, and actually hear about how things are done in the real world. Uh, what have we got next? There was the Robot Wars one. Is that right? Or have I, yeah, finally-
2: yeah. I, I, I came across this. This is, this is excellent. This really is. Japan and USA teams are set for a giant mech battle in August. We finally know when the robot duel pitting California's Megabots robot against the Japanese robotics company Suidubashi, sorry if you're Japanese and I've mangled that, will take place. And this was on Digital Trends. And uh, it is an actual mega mecha battle. These two uh, companies have challenged each other to have a robot battle. And if you go to there, uh, follow the link. They're building actual, uh, you know, RoboTech battle mech robots, and they're going to have a big fight in August.
1: Have any of you seen Um, the film Robot Jocks from back in nineteen ninety? I'm old.
2: So it's very much like that. Well, this yes, actually, I mean, on there, there's a picture of this of this bot, and it is blatantly based on a RoboTech uh battle mech and
3: uh so they're gonna basically got... have robotic fisticuffs
2: oh no well, this one looks like it's got a rocket launcher and a oh, oh sweet <laughs> and a chainsaw <laughs> chainsaw type thing and uh yeah it's, it it did
1: please tell we me we this is going to be streamed live please tell me that someone's bought the rights to this
2: I don't know, but it's a you know. Let's get ready to Robo Rumble, Japan and USA set for giant mech battle. So there you go.
1: Surely Majorizer. somebody somewhere. I mean,
2: this thing, this thing, uh, right? What's it say? Now we're going to do what any self-respecting big kid would do when playing with kick-ass cartoon figures: bash them against each other until there is a clear victor. In short, <laughs> Megabots and sudio creators are here to kick ass, chew gum, and do engineering. And they're out of bubblegum. Right. Um, In 2015, we challenged them to a giant robot duel between our existing Mark II robot and their Curitas robot. They accepted the challenge and upped the ante to include hand-to-hand combat. We tested our Mark II to see if it would survive this, and the robot would, but we as pilots would not. So this wasn't, and then there's all about how they built a Mark III, and it could cost nearly a 800,000 worth of parts, and, uh, oh, it is mental. It's I'm just mental.
1: looking at the images now. I This needs to happen. I, I, I need to see this. There needs to be a stream. Google, Yahoo, Netflix, Amazon. I don't care. I will pay good money to watch yeah. this.
2: Now, it, it, <laughs> it ends. It ends. On to the final question, which is why, with so many astonishing advances in the robotics, should all this be settled with a deal? because there's a 50-year-long tradition in most world cultures of science fiction depicting fighting giant robots. When we show our robot to people who haven't heard of us, the reaction is always, oh, I've seen that in, and they list 60 or 70 video games, movies, or shows which feature giant fighting robots. We're bringing the fantasies of sci-fi fans around the world to life.
1: It looks awesome. It's it's a sort of... It's like a power lifter from aliens with a cage and some plastic tubes that are going to fire things.
3: Yes,
2: and a big rail gun or a compressed gas gun. Hey, and it looks very much like one of the, uh, one of the robots from uh, Robotech. I think. No, not Robotech, Battle, Battle Tech. I'm anyway, going to watch Pacific Rim tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: dear. <laughs>
2: So, there they go. I thought that one was rather fun. It's, it's tech, and it's um, not really anything to do with Apple, but I thought it was quite fun. Um, and on it's other rather more serious uh, tech... I'm going to enjoy this segue. Go for it, Simon. Uh, the Brickerbots are attacking routers and IoT devices. Um, a rash of in-the-wild attacks is permanently destroying poorly secured IoT devices. The Brickerbot attacks... Maybe trying to kill devices before they can join a botnet, um, and in short, there's a very nasty a bot uh, network which looks for unsecured routers, uh, Linux-based routers, bridges, or similar internet-connected devices which have only factory default passwords, and uh, then once in there, they
3: cripple it, destroy it,
2: they wipe all the files stored on the device, corrupt the storage sever its internet connection, and given the cost and time to repair the damage, this device is effectively destroyed. Uh, Or bricked, hence the name. Uh, And so, take time to make sure your routers don't have factory default passwords, people. It's as simple as that, really.
1: Or if you want to be really safe, I've got a very good deal on a modem slash router that crashes every 15 minutes, therefore making it impossible but anyone to hack in <laughs> because it will crash before anyone gets onto it.
2: Before they can break in. Um, and on another router-based uh, uh, piece, uh, which probably doesn't apply to anyone who doesn't have uh, a router supplied by their uh, IS, you know, IS provider, um, check if your home router is vulnerable. And this comes from WordFence. Uh, at WordFence, we make firewall and malware scanner protection Or two million WordPress websites. We also monitor attacks on these sites, which determine which IPs are attacking them. Uh, Right. We published a post which showed how 6.7 percent of attacks we see on WordPress sites come from hacked home routers. In the past month, we have seen 57,000 unique home routers being used to attack the WordPress sites. Um, And if you follow the link to their page, they have a tool which you can run, which will determine that your router is safer from this exploit
3: and if you do have a word sorry uh, got. i was just going to say is it my imagination or is it hacking generally is becoming a lot more pernicious than it has been over the uh, last yeah, couple of years we're... it just seems to have been really ramping up
2: yes um i mean the one about the bricker uh the, the guy in the article is saying, you know, at first I thought it was one group of hackers trying to take out another group of hackers or to, to penetrate their 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 uh, botnet. But uh, as he says, it, it doesn't really make any sense other than it appears like sheer vandalism. You know, it's like, well, I don't like people leaving their routers with an unsecure default password, so I'm going to find them and kill them.
3: Yeah, just malicious.
1: There was a story in work about something like 10% of all CCTV camera systems are just left with their default
2: password. That's Mm. a scary thought. Well, an awful lot of, you know, a lot of the problem with the Internet of Trouble devices is um, that a lot of them are churned out very cheaply with almost no thought security. And worst of all, as we've found out in the past, you know, quite a lot of them have uh, hard-coded um, passcodes yeah. set at the factory, and, and there's no way of, of altering them. So if hackers figure that out and can attack them, they can just take them over. That's how they did that. That's how they took down uh, half, of the, half of the American internet at that time, because that was all done with cameras and routers and garage doors and things rather than actual PCs rather than making a, you know, it's a botnet, but it's a botnet of very tiny stupid devices. So, you know, the internet of things is possibly going to become the internet of troublesome things to be honest. It was yeah. always going to have that way.
1: Uh, right, I think, well, what time we're, what are we at now? We're at one hour. I think we've got time for one more story. Dory, do you mind if I choose one? Yeah, I was, I was. I'm funny enough. I was just about to say, do you want to choose one? Oh, right.
3: I'd like to talk about the self-driving cars. Um, oh, because I I don't own a self-driving car, but I do own an electric car. Um, is it a proper and, electric or is it confused? Is it a hybrid? Uh, no, it's it's a proper electric. It's a Nissan Leaf. Um, apparently they're concerned because organs for organ transplants a lot of them come from people being injured uh, or killed or no killed presumably
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: uh, than taking you don't need that can we have your liver <laughs> um in, in car accidents and if self-driving cars do become a thing which i'm sure they are going to become then they're going to have less organs because they're going to be safer and there's going to be less people getting killed so it's an interesting slant on the Whole automation of uh, of driving, but then,
1: yeah, isn't I, there I, the I, thing I, there though that because there's going to be safer, you might actually need less organs
2: because there's less accidents. No, because most people who need a transplant usually need it because they've got. Oh they yeah, true problems. on on that aspect. Yeah, that's sort of um. So yeah, what, you know, their their fear or projected problem, it's it's actually becomes quite clear doesn't it if we all switch over to intelligent self-driving cars that never have an accident you're going to have a lot less people you know dying on the table in the hospital because they've smashed themselves to pieces which yeah. means there's going to be less hearts lungs livers kidneys uh, it
3: could be interesting uh, what it doesn't tell you sick. yeah what it doesn't tell you and what it'd be interesting to know is what proportion of um Transplant organs actually come from from that. I don't think it actually says in the article.
2: No, it probably doesn't. Um, and it would be interesting to know, wouldn't it, actually? And, and how many just come from people who have died for whatever reason and have you know said, well, you can have any bits of me that are any good.
3: Yeah, that's right. Well, no, I no, just thought it was an that's... interesting slant on the... Uh, yeah, it is. Yes,
2: it is, uh, and, and it's not the first time I've heard it brought up. And I guess if you you know if you work in um in a field where that's important, it is you know I mean they're always saying that they can't get enough organs as it is, um, and I think the only it's quite possible that that way might have to force legislation along the lines of you know um, rather than you opt in to give your organs on your death, that you have to opt out if you don't want to give your organs on your death. To yes, be
3: honest. yeah. Uh, isn't there um, some, some people? Isn't there somewhere that some, does that already?
2: I think there may be
3: i can't remember i can't remember where it is but i remember hearing at some point there is and, you know, there is a, a country this, that does that
2: there is a country that does it i believe and um i know there's always people who say you know that's that's bullying and whatnot but to be honest so you know they didn't have any uh any compunction about bullying us all to wear our seatbelts did they or to make uh, motorcycle riders put crash helmets on, so I don't really see why, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to bully the population to do something good.
3: (laughs) That's true, yeah.
2: Personally, you know, I don't want to get too political, but, you know, to be honest, as far as I'm concerned, when when your body's dead, your body's dead, and if there's any bits of it worth something to somebody else, let them have it. Where do we go from that one? Where do we go from that? <laughs> blimey, the cries, yeah, we've
1: just suddenly... But that one went a bit highbrow in a bit... Oh, blimey. So, d- very quickly then, chaps, do we think that Apple are still working on a driving car, or do we think they're more developing things like Apple uh, CarPlay to be a bit better? Because one of the rumors I saw today, and this isn't in the show notes, was... Um, BMW, sorry, Volkswagen was supposed to be working with Apple on the new interface, but yet there's an advert on TV where you can see a guy flapping his hands in front of the console to make it, to use air gestures. Would you do that? Would you, you taking your hand off the wheel? Isn't the whole point of like, you're not allowed to use your mobile phone because A, yes, it's unsafe, and B, you're supposed to have two hands on the wheel whenever possible? Yeah, Uh, that's
3: true yeah and uh, let's face it i mean the worst thing you could do is actually have two hand gestures then that really would be dangerous (laughs) i've made a few two hand gestures this week when i've been out cycling
1: (laughs) it's like why oh sorry i'm uh, no i'm not gonna rant i'm just gonna calmly put this down like why overtake a cyclist when you're coming up to a junction knowing that the light is red so you overtake then you slam on the anchor You could just wait a few seconds. Now, I know not all cyclists are angels, and I've had the odd time when I've let an expletive fly, but in general, we just all need to calm down. I'm going to cut that rant off, because otherwise it's going to go on and on. (laughs) (laughs) With a self-driving car, though, it would be dangerous for me, because it's hard enough getting out of bed at the minute. But to think, you know what? I could get out of bed, not fully awake, get into a car, press a button, and I could grab five more minutes. I know that's a very, very long way off, but yeah,
3: I could do that. I, I, I'm not so sure that it is that far off, and people keep saying it's a long way off, but if you look at the, you know, the curve of developing um, hardware and software, and there's like a sort of bit at the beginning that's quite quite low in the curve where you just get a few people who are really interested in the technology Um getting involved i've definitely seen a ramp up over the last two years and and it's growing exponentially so i reckon within five years we're going to start seeing automated cars regularly on our roads i think so and i also think that it will
2: be it's likely to be a complete paradigm shift and it it will it will go very rapidly you know like the It's like the change from horse and cart to to gasoline, you know, or petrol powered vehicles, isn't it? It is. is. It's certainly heading that way. You know, it was all horse and carts and a few weirdos who had these weird, stinking, rubbishy machines. And, you know, there became more and more machines. The machines got better. And then you reach a point and somebody comes along and says, right, actually, what we want to do is mass produce these. And all of a sudden, it's the people with horse and carts who are in the minority
3: yeah most people at the moment most people at the moment say i uh, i wouldn't trust a self-driving car but i reckon in 10 years you'll have people saying what you want to drive it yourself
2: yeah <laughs> so, i totally agree with that and yeah. you know all these people like, i wouldn't i wouldn't possibly trust a self-driving machine would you not i think i'd rather trust a self-driving machine than an awful lot of the people you see out on the road. I'm sorry, yeah.
3: but, that's, that's the question I always fire back as well when people say they wouldn't trust it. I'd say, and you trust other people, <laughs>
2: yeah. And and let's face it, even 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 if you don't say, you know, all right, because people are stupid or dangerous or don't re- respect the rules, because we're human. We're human. We make mistakes. We get distracted. We do stupid things. Yeah. You know, and we've only got two eyes and two ears. You know, if you've got a self driving car, it can have a hundred eyes and fourteen ears and
3: radar and it can, pr- and, and it can and probably it- still make the occasional mistake. <laughs>
2: but will it be able
1: to park properly in Tesco's without taking up two car parking spaces?
2: <laughs> will it know uh, what sure. full
1: steering lock is and have depth perception so you don't leave half of your car sticking out the back, That could which didn't happen to me today. Well,
3: we know much. these hackers taking over the botnets mm. <laughs> it'll be yeah. ele- it'll be cars next <laughs> oh blimey did you did
2: have,
1: is it, have, have, have any of you seen um, the new series of Prison Break uh, and I think it's episode two where one of the Lincoln brothers is in an electric car and just and it was so funny just to make sure you realise it's electric car on the side of the car it actually had electric car written down on it <laughs> And this guy comes up in a traffic light, opens up a laptop, presses a button, which suddenly somehow takes over the con- uh, the car, putting it in full uh, power mode, turning off the brakes, uh, turning off the steering, and it's like, oh blimey! When if we'll come back and go, you know that time I took the Mickey out of prison break. If that'll come back to haunt me.
2: <laughs> well, you know, no, and the thing is. Apple are, obviously. Now, I mean, this week they've been given permission and are out testing some self-driving Lexus hybrids, I think. Um, And some people have pointed at that and said, yeah, see, they're not making a car. But I'm not sure that's proof of that. I I mean, if if you were designing a brand new model of car and you wanted to test some of the technology in it, would you send out a prototype of your brand new you know, sports car? No, you wouldn't. You'd put the technology in an older car, wouldn't you, and measure yeah. it that way.
1: What do we think is going to come first? More electric vehicles, like the Tesla Model S, which I'm – not not, not the – is it the Model S that's going to be coming out next year? Three. Model three. Oh, yeah. I want, want, want. What's going to be first? Cars that are more capable of drive, uh, being driver-assistive – Or are we finally going to see more electric cars on
3: the road? I think it's going to be both. I think we're going to get... So there are already cars that can sort of drive themselves. So uh, I I believe it's from one to five, with five being fully autonomous. Uh, Ah, yes. I remember the scale, yeah. Yeah, we've got none at five yet. But we've certainly got some at two and three, where they're like, like the Tesla Model S, where it will steer itself on a motorway and keep within the lines and change cha- change uh, channels, I was going to say, <laughs> change <laughs> lanes uh, on its own. That's already there. So
2: and I think we'll end-, cars, we'll end
3: up with a with a mixture of them all, I think, to start yeah. with.
2: And there's quite a lot of cars that can park themselves now. Yes. You know, that will we'll, uh, measure a gap, calculate how to back into it and do it for you. Well, we um, definitely haven't, haven't had any of them round here. I can't you that much for now today. And then we, um, and then <laughs> I mean, uh, the other one. I'm not sure if there are any, but I know there were several which uh, mentioned. Basically, you know, if you want to go to the theatre, you would drive your car to the theatre, get out, you know, press a button on the on the on the key that says to the car, go away. find a space, park in it. Then when you come out of the theatre. You press a button, which sends a signal to the car that says, "Right, come and pick me up." So, I don't know if that's actually a thing that you can go out. And
1: buy. Yeah, there was um, there was a video on about the Tesla which did exactly that.
2: Yeah, so I mean that you know that's what what levels that you know level three I suppose it's it's driving itself you know to within a limited parameter. So yes, I, I yeah, think I've... it's very much going to be a thing, and I think that the change is going to come a lot quicker than a lot of people think because that's how technology changes, isn't it? You know, it's it not is. always gradual. You know, every, you know, there, there was loads of people had mobile phones and then the iPhone came out and within like three years, the phone landscape had completely changed.
3: It felt like overnight, didn't it? <laughs> it
2: did <laughs> feel like overnight and I think very much... Although the changeover from, you know, the sort of cars we have now to mostly autonomous vehicles is going to take probably 10 to 15 years to filter through because that's the life of a vehicle, isn't it? I mean, you know, yeah. 15, 20 years is probably the...
1: What is the lifetime of your um, Nissan Leaf? If, if, if Did you, if you don't mind me asking, did you buy it or have you leased
3: it? Uh, I've got it on a, a yeah a lease of of sorts. Um, it's i'm I'm considering buying it so uh, at the moment, um the uh, leasing companies are actually selling them um, certainly, I've seen evidence of them selling them at their um, auction value rather than at their their guaranteed final value because they they're turning out to be worth less at the end of the term um than they anticipated they would. Um but I've I, I'm about three and a half years into this lease and the battery is still saying it's got ninety-three percent of its original capacity. Yeah. So... so so they're gonna last five, eight, ten years. Okay, over that time there will lose some range. But if you're like me and you only do Fifty miles a day, and you charge at one end. Yeah, that's plenty for me. Uh, and and I think it's we're not far away from cars that will do two hundred miles easily. Oh, I, 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 if, if any of these battery technologies that are that they're they're still in experimental stages, if just one of them starts to show promise, then I think we'll we'll get cars with even oh, yeah. more range.
2: Yeah, I mean, like the 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 one we were talking about the other week, where the the guys done something uh with his lithium ion by using some sheet of glass or something wasn't
3: it that's right yeah it's replacing the lithium with something else and yes and using glass as a, a conductor yeah, yeah. Uh, and if yes divided... if that co- if that comes into production i mean that's obviously going to change the landscape altogether yeah,
2: because i mean it, the the bloke was it was the inventor of the lithium ion or part of the team i believe who invented lithium ion in the first place that's right. And, uh, you know, he's 93, but you know, you, that means he's spent a lifetime working on battery technology and he's come up with an even better way to make lithium ion batteries. And apparently I think he said that would probably quadruple their power,
3: something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And make them less, uh, basically stop them from doing this possibility of exploding. So oh, yes,
3: cause his- you're taking away the, you're taking away the liquid, which is the thing that explodes. Yes. Um, and not only that, they charge much more quickly. Yeah. Which is the other argument against electric cars.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, one one of those technologies, and there are others. I know there are other ones floating around out there. One of those comes through, and the whole, you know, the whole landscape, the whole technological landscape changes, doesn't it? Yeah. Exciting. Exciting. Exciting times. Yes. No. I think uh I think well, we touched upon something loosely apple based
1: today um we <laughs> well right, where are we at? I tell you what, yes, we've gone for an hour and eighteen by the time I do a bit of chopping, but Nemo's hardware store will be up there, so I think we will call it a day, Chaps, thank you ever so much for coming on. Nick, thank you very much for coming on the show. If they want to get a hold of you and they want to follow you and they want to stalk you in Facebook, you, I meant, oh, blimey. I'm sorry, I've been doing a bit of gardening and I've been thinking about plants all day. How can they get a hold of you? And just give a quick plug for your podcast that you make an appearance on.
3: Uh, Okay, well, you can get me um, on Twitter, in fact. Uh, I'm called Spligosh on Twitter. That's S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Um, I don't post on there very often, I'm afraid, Uh, but if you want to follow me, feel free. Uh, And the podcast I take part in, I can't claim that it's my podcast in any way, shape, or form, uh, is uh, Bart Bouchot's Let's Talk Apple, Uh, and you can hear me over there reasonably regularly. Excellent. Thank you very much.
1: And also, thank you very much for coming on at the last minute. Um, It was a bit of a hodgepodge to get everything organized, which was, as always, My fault. Simon, if they want to get a hold of you,
2: how can they find you on that there interweb? Uh, Well, of course, the best place to find me is at Serenak, S-E-R-E-N-A-K, and that's on the Twitter. And of course, you can find us on EssentialApple.com and Pinecast and Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and lots of other places.
1: Excellent, thank you very much. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can get me via at Essential Apple if you want to follow the website and know when we post new articles. If you want to see how I'm doing on well next week if I'm not injured to do the Cardiff to Tenby 112 mile ride, and I've got a ride home because I can't get a lift. Uh you can follow me at Ocean Speed. As Simon said, we're on essentialapple.com, the Twitter, the Facebook. Just look for Essential Apple and we should hopefully up here. Gentlemen, thank you ever so much for giving up your Sunday afternoon to come on this show, and we will be back soon. Cheerio, everyone. Bye.
3: Bye.
2: Hi, I'm Bart Puchot, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstashtalk.ie.